One of the things I have found the most exciting this spring as the pandemic has eased is hearing about people resuming international travel. I feel like over the last couple of weeks, I run into someone every two or three days who has a trip planned for uh, in the next few months uh, to go overseas somewhere. And I personally love to travel, so I love to hear that other people are getting to travel, and hopefully that will be in the cards for us at some time soon as well. And this reading for today reminded me of one of my favorite places that I have visited. I have had the privilege of going twice to the Holy Land. And one time with St. George's with some of you. And my favorite place of all was the Sea of Galilee. I really loved it there because it is the most unchanged from the time when Jesus was on earth. Most, most of its coastline is still very undeveloped. The waves are still lapping the same shore, and its surface is still dotted by boats holding fishermen and tourists like, like us. It's a place that's very easy on your imagination, and not everywhere in Israel is easy on your biblical imagination. For instance, when you go to the modern-day village of Cana, there is a form of mental gymnastics you have to do because your tour guide says, okay, here, let's wedge ourselves between this telephone pole and this shop selling cheap wine. Now, imagine Jesus turning water into wine. At the Sea of Galilee, it's just effortless to see Jesus in a boat with his disciples, teaching the crowds on the hillside, and as in our story today, building a little fire on a beach where he grills some fish for his disciples to eat after a long night of fishing. I really love all of the stories that occur after the resurrection. The disciples are feeling a mix of wonder, mystery, and joy that Jesus is with them again on the other side of the grave. A pivotal watershed moment has occurred, and Jesus' true identity is fully known to his followers. If Jesus were, say, Superman, the resurrection would be the moment where he slips into a telephone booth, sheds his everyday clothes, and emerges in his superhero costume. His hidden identity is now on full display, and he's ready to save people in trouble and put things to rights. And the disciples have this energy and excitement as they come to understand this new reality in which they find themselves. But I especially love this story that happens after the resurrection, so much so that when we visited the little beach that is still there, where traditionally Jesus had this interaction with his disciples, I took a handful of small pebbles from the beach and I took them with me. Now, I would not recommend making a habit of taking things from historical sites, <laughs> but I hope I can be forgiven for uh, an impulsive act driven by my enthusiasm for this story. I just love how Jesus invites his disciples to this fireside breakfast. And it's wonderful that this story is chosen for today, the day that all of you in sacramental prep have been preparing for for the last few months to receive communion today together. At its heart, this story is about Jesus inviting his disciples to a simple meal. And that is also the heart of the sacrament of communion. So I'd like to take a few minutes to look at what this story teaches us about Jesus and how he invites us today to join him at the table. Well, when our story picks up today, the disciples are at a strange sort of transitional moment. They're following Jesus 
around Israel has come to a sudden halt with his shocking death on the cross and then his surprising resurrection. Life as they know it has changed on more levels than they can even grasp. And yet, as they adjust to this news, they also have to move ahead into an uncertain future. Peter decides to temporarily go back to his previous job of fishing. I'm going out to fish, he tells his friends, and they agree to go with him. They get on a boat and head out onto the Sea of Galilee. But after a long night, they have caught nothing. Many hours later, their nets are still empty. And then Jesus shows up, unannounced and unrecognized. The text tells us, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus decides to reveal himself to them by doing a little miracle recycling. He performs for a second time a miracle that he had done when he first met Peter and Andrew several years before. The miracle goes like this. After that long, fruitless night of fishing, Jesus asks the disciples, children, have you caught anything? And when they admit that they haven't, he tells them to switch their net to the other side of the boat. When they follow his direction, the fishes show up in droves, filling the net to overflowing. Now, in this second iteration of the miracle, Peter is, again, the first to recognize what's going on. He remembers the first time it happened, and he identifies the man who is responsible for it. He says to his friends, it is the Lord. As valuable as that giant catch of fish would have been to a fisherman, especially one who basically hasn't had a paying job for at least three years, Peter does not care about the fish. He wants so badly to be near Jesus again that he can't even wait for the boat to come back to shore. In classic Peter style, he makes a dramatic, impulsive move, jumping into the water and swimming toward Jesus. Here is his Lord, the one whom he betrayed, providing him with a generous catch of fish. But suddenly, the fish don't matter to him at all, because they reveal Jesus' presence and his power, which Peter needs much more than he needs a net full of fish. And then when Peter and the disciples arrive on the beach, they discover Jesus has provided even more for them. The text says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus has also anticipated that they would be hungry and could use some breakfast. But Jesus doesn't lay out a big, impressive, miraculous spread. Instead, he prepares a meal that they likely had shared many times before, grilled fish and bread. And then he invites them to join him. Come and have breakfast. In this simple meal, Jesus communicates so much more to his disciples than just one breakfast. He isn't just providing physical nourishment for them. He is also sending them a message. Now, we've all experienced how food can send a wordless message. For instance, the big meals that we share together on holidays send the message, being together matters. A cup of water given when we are thirsty communicates, I care about you. A mother's cooking can send the message, I love you. So what's the message here? 
in this breakfast on the beach? Well, Jesus is about to leave his disciples to return to his father. This is the very last chapter of John. And Jesus wants to impress upon them the most essential truths that they will need to remember in his absence. His message is twofold. First, he wants to remind his disciples of who he is, their Lord and their friend. And second, he wants to remind them of his relationship with them, that he loves them and will continue to provide for them. Jesus is saying, remember who I am and what I am for you. I'm your Lord, your teacher, and your friend. And I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even as things around you change, even as I leave you and return to heaven, I will not change, and neither will my love for you. His message apparently got through loud and clear, for the text says that none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. I wonder how many times after this morning the disciples called this miracle to mind and this breakfast. Because in it, Jesus had given them spiritual food for their journey ahead. The disciples did not go back to fishing permanently. They didn't stay there on the Sea of Galilee. Instead, they spread out across the earth, sharing the good news of who Jesus is and what he had done for them. The message that Jesus has for us today in this meal of Holy Communion bears the same message. There's clearly a parallel in the text between the breakfast on the beach and communion because verse 13 says, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. In the way that John describes this, he's intentionally echoing the Last Supper and what Jesus did with the bread and the wine when he instituted the sacrament of communion. And communion, like this breakfast on the beach, is essentially a very simple meal as well. Even with our beautiful traditions of preparing the meal with fine embroidered linens and silver and gold vessels, at its heart, communion is still about Jesus offering us two simple foods, bread and wine, that provide us with the spiritual food for our journey. Jesus tells us, remember who I am and what I am to you. I am your Lord, teacher, and friend. I will never change. You can put your trust in me. I read a story once that uh, really powerfully conveyed food's ability to send a wordless message, but yet really powerful. The story has stayed with me ever since. It comes from a book by Dennis and Sheila Lynn, and it has kind of an unusual title. It's called Sleeping with Bread. And the Lynns describe how, after World War II, many children in Europe were left without a home and without a family. Some of them ended up in refugee camps where they could receive food and care. And even though they were no longer in physical danger, the children were, of course, traumatized by what they had experienced, and nighttime was particularly difficult for them. As the Lynns put it in their words, Many of these children who had lost so much could not sleep at night. They feared waking up to find themselves once again homeless and without food. Nothing seemed to reassure them. 
Finally, someone hit upon the idea of giving each child a piece of bread to hold at bedtime. Holding their bread, these children could finally sleep in peace. All through the night, the bread reminded them, today I ate, and I will eat again tomorrow. The food that we receive from the altar today, a small piece of bread and a sip of wine, remind us, week in and week out, that no matter what we are experiencing in our daily lives, we too have a constant source of hope and sustenance in our Lord and in his love for us. Jesus has prepared this meal, and he gives us the same invitation he gave to his disciples all those years ago on that little beach. So today, may we hear the invitation of our risen Lord to come and to eat. Amen.